Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm your host, Robin, and I am here with Dawn, Katie, and Lindy. And it's our prayer at Storytellers Live that you would meet God in a new way through these stories, that you would know you aren't alone, and that you can discuss these stories with friends so that walls are broken down and community is built. Today, we have Christine from Katy, Texas. Well, I think Christine's story is one that so many, not just parents, but people are going to resonate with. Christine had first told us that her story was about her daughter being diagnosed with dyslexia and the struggles that came along with that. But it's really so much more in talking about the struggles we have as parents, just trying to release our plans for our children into God's hands. And so we titled this one, When Things Don't Come Easy meaning when things don't come easy for our children or for ourselves, what do we do? Do we release it back into God's hands? So here's Christine. Today's episode is sponsored by Village Dermatology. And y'all, I just turned 50 and I wish I would have taken care of my skin sooner. But the good news is I've learned that it's never too late. Village Dermatology offers all your skincare under one roof, medical, cosmetic, an aesthetic and laser center, and a Skin for Life boutique. So if your teenager is struggling with acne, maybe you have a loved one suffering with eczema, or if you want to look refreshed, Village has you covered. Village Dermatology wants you to face every moment of your life with confidence and self-assurance because they know it's in those moments that you present your very best to the world. For more information, visit their website and online store at villagedermatology.net. Use the code STORYTELLERS20 to receive 20% off your first product in their online store or in their Skin for Life boutique. Village Dermatology, helping you live a beautiful life. So I am the person that would say that I don't have a story and um, have always kind of thought that especially when I compare myself to others and what other people have gone through my life. I feel like I look back and it just doesn't seem as significant. I haven't gone through any big trials, but I have been reminded that my God is not insignificant and he doesn't do insignificant things. And that in my life, I've had a purpose and he has written a story of which I've been encouraged to share today. Um, so just to give you some background on me, I was born in Chicago. I was, I have one sister, one older sister. I was raised in the church. I moved to Houston when I was 10. I came to know Christ when I was 13. And a year later, I met my future husband. We started dating when I was 14 and he was 16. We ended up going to separate colleges and got married when I was 21. Right now, I have three kids. I have a sophomore daughter, an eighth grade son, and a sixth grade daughter. I have always, always, always wanted to be a wife and a mother. I felt that call very early on. I watched my mom model that, and I just knew that that's something that I wanted to do. Um, I worked out a lot of things in my mind of how I wanted things to go. I am a planner, and I um, like to have everything kind of planned out and control. I had my firstborn, Taylor, and she was very hard. She cried all the time, had colic and reflux. And I quickly realized it was probably one of the first times that I realized how not in control that I was (laughs) or that I wanted to be. 
I quickly then had my next two kids. We were, they were um, four years and younger with step stool, one, two, three. And I was really in the mess of it all. But it's funny because I had that calling really to be home and I was able to be home with my kids. I really felt very needed and purposeful and fulfilled in that season. It's like they say, you know, the days are long, um, but the years are short. And that's how I was in that season. When my youngest was two, I started feeling restless and kind of a searching for something and a stirring in my heart. And I wondered what that was. And so I prayed a lot to the Lord, you know, are you doing something in my life? Do you want to change something or challenge me or let me walk out in faith somewhere? And I just kept praying and praying and what that stirring was. A few months later, my husband came home from work and I'll never forget, I was over the stove stirring spaghetti and he walked up to me and said, hey, do you want to move to London? And the first thing I thought of was, oh my gosh, I prayed for this. Like, I think this is what the Lord was preparing in my heart months before then, that stirring for change. So I knew that we were supposed to go. And within a few months, we left our community and our church and our family and all the things that I had ever known. Um, it ended up being one of the hardest things that we have done. I prayed specifically for a friend. I just asked for one friend, um, just someone like-minded, someone I could get along with. I didn't need a lot, but just one. And we moved in October, which is kind of a strange time to move. And that first day, I remember meeting in the lobby and there was only one other family starting the same day. And that those ended up being some of our best friends. And I was just reminded in the care and just the way that the Lord provided for us in that season. We were there three years. And within those three years, there was a lot of lonely times and quiet times where my relationship with the Lord definitely grew. In our relocation specialists, I remember them saying, you know, for the kids, it will be easy. They will go to school. Life will look very familiar. Your husband will go to work. He will come home. It'll look very familiar. But you, it's going to be the hardest on you. And so those times, it, it was good. And we made friends and we enjoyed the travel. But um, the Lord taught me a lot in those three years. And once we were out, I remember thinking, okay, Lord, you have me out here. I'm called for a purpose. You've answered prayers. If you're going to keep us in this expat lifestyle, keep us out here. Because the second we move back to Texas, I don't think we'll leave again. It'll be too hard. Too hard on me, too hard on the kids. Um, so my husband got an opportunity to move to Oman. And we accepted it. And I thought, this is great. We'll stay out three more years. And then it's actually kind of perfect timing for the kids to move back. They'll be older. All in my plan. Everything was working out. We went to Oman. We looked at schools. We visited places we would live. A big culture shock, but I was up for it. And then kind of in the ninth hour, my husband came home from work one day and said, babe, it's not going to happen. BP's asked us to move home. And I was... I was disappointed and I was confused and I thought, you know what, Lord, like you have us out here for such a calling and a purpose and I don't understand why you would bring us home. I was so ready for another adventure. When we started the process of moving home, we were only about two weeks out from actually going back to Texas and we lost our stepdad, Earl. Um, so that's my husband's mom's husband and he was so very dear to us. It was completely sudden. There was 
we did not see this coming at all. We had just been kind of FaceTiming with them, telling them we were coming back. He was so excited to see the kids. So that was a, um, it was a big shock. And um, so I knew right then that the Lord was calling us home for such a greater purpose than what we had originally thought the Lord had for us. I knew I wasn't in control and that he had this perfect plan for our family and he knew exactly where we needed to be. So we, um, we moved home (laughs) in London. I started seeing um, a developmental delay with my oldest. So a couple years or backtracking a little bit, she wasn't reading at grade level. She was behind in math. She had a hard time spelling. I remember vividly that we would sit down at the kitchen table and memorize times tables um, one night and she would, we'd go over them and she would know them. And then the next day it was gone from her head. She completely lost them all. And I would be frustrated because I didn't think she was focusing or paying attention. And we would both be in tears. Um, and I just kept thinking something's off. Like it doesn't seem right. And my friends would tell me, no, kids learn at different levels. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, it's fine. But in my gut, I just kept thinking, I just don't feel like this is normal. So I pursued getting her tested. So she was in second grade. This was one of the summers we were home in Texas. I got a referral and we went and there was no diagnosis and nothing conclusive. So I was frustrated. I didn't know what to do. I really felt very ill-equipped to help her at this point. I didn't feel like I had the ability and I, I didn't really know how to go forward. So I did just you know, one foot in front of the other and went another year in school. And I noticed the same obstacles that she was having to overcome. And so finally in third grade, I thought we need to do something else. We need to get her tested again. And I found a dyslexia center in London that was actually really close to our house. And I thought, you know what, this is a no brainer. We'll just get her tested. If nothing comes of it, fine. At least I know. So she gets tested. It takes, you know, two to three hours. And as the diagnostician comes out, she says, I knew within 10 minutes that this girl has severe dyslexia. And I remember being happy that there was a diagnosis for sure, but very overwhelmed on what that meant going forward. And, you know, what do we do now? So I sat down with the diagnostician and she kind of told me lots of things. But the thing that stood out to me and still stands out to me was she told me, you know what, school is always going to be hard for Taylor her whole life. Please, if you can, find something that she is good at outside of school that she enjoys, find something she has a passion for, and something that's easy and will build her confidence. We need to build this girl's confidence because school is going to be a struggle. And at that moment, you know, in third grade, she had dance. Dance was kind of the consistent thing she's done since she was three. And so I thought, well, you know, she enjoys that. So there you go. So fast forward, we moved back to Texas. And this is another reason I really feel like the Lord brought us home is because in London, we were in a private school with zero accommodations for my daughter. And we moved her back to Texas. And she did have to get retested in the school district. She tested um, positive for dyslexia, but she had accommodations there. And so she was pulled out several days a week in school and was getting kind of the help she needed. She did hate fourth grade moving back. She hated it. Um, 
She hated being the new kid. She hated being pulled out. She didn't have her diagnosis right when we came into school. So they put her in a classroom full of kids that were not pulled out and did not have any of these kind of disabilities, they would say. So she struggled being the only one, or at least she thought was the only one. We just continually try to encourage her as parents that, you know what, God didn't make a mistake. He created you perfectly. You are uniquely exactly the way that he wants you. He put dyslexia teachers in her path in elementary that massively helped equip her um, in school. I did think about getting our tutors outside of school, but it's a balance for her to not overwhelm and to not do too much. So, you know, we were all just trying to figure it out. Um, as she entered junior high, I knew school would be harder and I really wanted her to find a group. I didn't really have one in junior high. I played soccer and that was only in high school. And I kind of knew what it felt like not to be a part of something in junior high. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I, I would like her to have something that I didn't. So the first thing that comes home in sixth grade is you get these packets with all these papers. And one of the papers was about pep squad. Now I do remember being in that. And I thought, oh, that will be fun. She can go with her friends. It's something to do. And so I kind of talked her into doing it. <laughs> and she agreed to do it and had friends that were doing it as well. And one of the times she had to uh, volunteer at one of the junior high football games. And I was seeing the cheerleaders with the pep squad. And I kind of had a light bulb moment. And I thought, hey, this might be a perfect fit for you. This could give you the confidence that you need. So I encouraged her to try cheer. I thought, you know, dance, cheer, they kind of go hand in hand. I really don't know much about either, but <laughs> encouraged her to try it. She ended up having several friends that wanted to try out as well. So she was, she was in for it. Um, she really thought, okay, she wanted to do it. And when we decided to do it, we go all in and we took lessons and we practiced at home. She was super motivated. She was super excited. I could actually kind of see like the light in her eyes. She thought, oh my gosh, I can do this. I'm good at this. Her confidence was growing and I was super thrilled. I thought this is going to work. There were about three days before tryouts. They do this week-long clinic at the school where they learn all the dances and everything for tryouts. And I got a phone call from my friend who was driving her home that day. And she said, hey, um, Taylor hurt herself at the clinic. And I thought, okay, all right, um, we'll handle it. It'll be fine. No big deal. I open up the door when she gets dropped off and Taylor's a mess and she's crying. And my daughter doesn't really cry very much. And so I knew it was, it was worse than I expected. And we sat down and she's defeated and she's crushed. And I asked what's wrong. The back of her leg is in a lot of pain. And so I kind of, I did look at her and I said, um, you don't have to do this. And she said, no, I do. I do. I've gone this far. I'm doing it. And of course, in my little competitive, I was like, yes, girl, <laughs> let's go. Let's do this. So I was ready. I, we, were, we were not done yet. Um, so I got her appointments to the sports medicine doctor. She stretched herself out the next three days, limited activities. She was completely resting. And we did not know how that leg would heal. Had no idea. I was just praying selfishly <laughs> for everything to work out for um, her to make the team. She's gone too far. She's worked too hard. And I wanted her to see that her hard work would pay off. I wanted her to kind of have that victory in this. 
So I didn't really sleep very well the night before tryouts. So I was kind of a mess. And that morning, I remember waking up and having more of a calm wash over me. And I felt like the Lord saying, you know, this is going to work out. It's all going to work out. And in my mind, I was like, she's okay. We're good. We're, we're good. We prayed. I prayed for her. I prayed for her leg. I dropped her off. She had four other friends trying out. Those moms and myself, we went to coffee. We were wasting time while they were trying out. We get the text. It's done. Come back to the school. And we had a signal within the moms that we would text just a thumbs up or a thumbs down if the girls made it or not. Because we didn't want to be right words or, you know, we were trying to make it as sensitive as possible. So you're supposed to wait until you leave the parking lot. They get a little note and you're supposed to wait and then they can open it, whatever. So Taylor jumps in the car. We barely moved. She did not wait. She rips the envelope open and she immediately starts yelling, no. And she started to cry. And I, I was like, I was shocked. I was really just utterly shocked that she didn't make it. I thought, you know, there's a part of me that was like, Lord, you are supposed to come through on this. Like this was it. And I, I was just, I just kept telling her. I remember saying, I'm so shocked. I'm so shocked. So I just drove a, drove a little further down the road and just parked because I didn't know what to do. She was crying. I was in a state of kind of disbelief. And it's honestly one of the hardest hours I've had with a child. We just sat there and Taylor just kept asking, why? Why? Why did I get hurt? Why doesn't God want me to have this? Why does nothing work for me? Why is everything hard? And in her mind, you know, everything's easier for everyone else. And in that moment, I am like questioning if I had done anything right as a parent. I was super guilt ridden that I essentially think I put my daughter through this. I felt terrible. And then I'm watching my daughter whose confidence is now completely shattered. And this is the thing I'm trying to build her confidence in. So as we're waiting there and we're talking and praying and I just keep saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Cause there's just times you don't, you can't say anything to make it better in the moment. And I get texts back from all of her friends' moms and they all make the team. And it was just another blow after another blow that now she's not going to be a part of something with all of her friends. So as we got home and the more we kind of sat in the situation, I would just was telling her there's something better because there has to be. The Lord didn't take this away for you to not have something else in mind. He's got something else in mind. He does. He's not going to waste this. I kept thinking he's not going to waste this. So the weekend went by and it's Sunday night and Taylor is begging me not to go to school, which I completely understand. <laughs> there was a part of me that wanted to keep her home, but I knew we just needed to rip off the bandage. She needed to go. And so that night it started raining uh, kind of on and um, it just kept raining <laughs> and I didn't know the weather. I wasn't looking at anything. This was in 2016. And when I woke up that next morning, it was like in the fives. Um, we got a text from the school saying the school was canceled because of the rain. And I just remember getting the text and running up to Taylor's room and I like shake her awake. And I said, Oh my gosh, um, Taylor, 
school's canceled today. And she shot up and looked at me and goes, mom, I prayed for this last night. I prayed that God would cancel school for me. (laughs) And I just thought to myself, I looked at her and I gave her a hug and, and I thought for a girl that just yesterday was questioning the Lord's love for her and through a canceled day at school was filled knowing that the Lord sees her and he loves her and and he would maybe have some minor flooding for her. <laughs> uh, we're just going to go there. It turned out actually that they didn't end up having school the entire week because of the flooding. It was all minor, but it affected our area enough that they did not go to school. And look at that. By the time they got back on Monday, nobody cared about cheer tryouts. Nobody was talking about that. People were talking about the flood and what they did during their week off. It was such a gift of kindness that I just held in my heart um, of the timing of that for her. Over the next, so navigating on forward through junior high, it was hard. It was hard with friends. It was hard for me and my friends because those girls that tried out, their moms were my friends too. They felt really guilty for Taylor not making it and their kids making it. And then there was a guilt on our side too. It was really tricky. I remember having to have some coffees and some hard conversations just about how friendships would probably change just a little bit just because Taylor's not a part of the the things that these girls would be a part of. It was really hard for me to be happy (laughs) to watch other kids make things, get things, make the teams, be successful, get the awards. When maybe some of these kids, it just looks like everything comes so easy for them. I struggled a lot with being happy for other people's kids. And these are like some of my best friend's kids too. It just didn't really matter who you were. I, um, there was a part of me that just wanted other kids to struggle too, just to feel what my kid felt. In those couple years before high school, we just really had to rest that God had something more and a better plan for Taylor. It was a lot of waiting. We weren't, I mean, she really wasn't a part of anything. She had dance that she would go to, but that wasn't really her core group of friends. She had friends, but nothing, you know, that was just earth shattering. The belonging I wanted for Taylor just didn't really happen. I actually even encouraged her to try out for a musical dance portion of the play her eighth grade year. And she was like, no, I'm not doing any of that. So I obviously still didn't learn. As a parent, I wondered if I was doing enough even with the dyslexia aspect? Should I be more of an advocate for dyslexia? Should I be pouring myself more into learning about dyslexia? You know, just always feeling like you're kind of failing as a parent and what I could be doing more of. It's very hard on myself. My daughter and I are very different. And I'm so thankful that the Lord made her that way because the Lord continued to teach me over those years that he loves her more than I could ever love her. And this picture that the Lord has given me, even recently for my kids, is this clenched fist. And in my mind, I've got my kids in my clenched fist because I'm protecting them and I'm holding them tight and I'm planning things for them. But the Lord does not want me to hold my kids in a clenched fist. He wants me to ungrip my hand and he wants it to lay open with my palm open to give them to, to give my kids to him so they can be dependent on him and not me. 
and not to the yeses and to the friends and the teams. Um, what I witnessed in my in those years was my daughter's faith grew fierce. She was reading her Bible. I saw her putting Bible verses on her mirror. Um, she was finding her belonging in Christ and not her belonging in someplace else. So we tried to be obedient in the next thing. That's what we just kept saying. Like, we're going to be obedient in the next thing, whatever that is for you. And the big thing that my daughters always wanted was to make the dance team in high school. And so she had been investing herself into dance. She'd been dancing hours a week. And so we poured herself into that. And we enter high school and the, these tryouts are coming up. And so I had a little bit of a deja vu feeling of the disappointment and all the fear of what we experienced. And I just, I remember thinking like, I don't know if I can do this again. Like, I don't know if I can make it on the other side of this. And the, the drill team that she tries out for, it's very competitive. It's very hard to get onto. So we just didn't know. We had had conversations in the car. Okay, if this does not happen for you, the Lord is good and he's got something for you. We're going to be obedient in the next thing. I had everybody praying for her. So many friends that had seen what had happened and just walked alongside her the last few years. were so diligent in praying for her for whatever was going to happen. I drop her off for tryouts. I remember I went to my son's basketball game, which is an amazing distraction. And I got a text at the game that she was done. It went a lot quicker than we thought. I pick her up, get the same envelope. Girlfriend does not wait ever. And we don't even leave the parking lot. She rips it open. So I don't even really have time to like process everything, which was good. And she starts crying, but I look over at her and I can just tell it's different is just different. It was tears of joy and she had made it and she had made the team. And there's so many things that the Lord taught me in that moment. For one, that the Lord's plan for my child would be accomplished despite me. I'm going to mess up and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to try to control situations, but he's bigger than that. And, and I know that not all stories end up with a yes. It could have been a no. It could have been easily a no, but I know that the Lord was good before this and the Lord would continue to be good after this and his plans are better. And I've seen that through my whole life, that his plans are better than what I pick out or what I think is best. And he's also taught me where I just need to be my kid's biggest support and to allow the Lord to do the work in them and, and not me try to do it. I don't need to get in the way. She has been on the dance team now for about seven months, and I don't want people to think that it's been all perfect now that she's made it. Life is grand, and the struggles are over, because this dance team is, has its own set of challenges. Dyslexia continues to play a huge part in every aspect of her life. It plays a part in her quickness in learning dances and her memorization. And that has kind of held her back a little bit on the dance team. In this particular dance team, you have to try out within the dance team to make dances. She has not made some of those. And that has been a no and disappointment. And it's been a hard road. What I'm trying to continue to encourage her is I told her the other day, you know, the Lord does not have you on this team to dance. 
I said, you are on this team to shine your light for the Lord, for, to be an encouragement and to be an influence here. Um, he allowed you on this team, but your purpose is so much greater than just doing a really good dance. So, I mean, I believe that no matter what she would have been in or done or made, that the Lord would use her. Maybe even just the people in her class or another opportunity. He'll make it matter and he'll use it. So I just continually try to rely on the Lord for my strength um, and wisdom in parenting and not on my own accord and to point my kids to Christ above all else and to keep my palm open so my kids can learn dependence on him. And that's, that's where I find my joy and the hope in all of this. There were so many things in her story that that I know we can all relate to. For me personally, you know, I've talked on here before that our daughter has a physical disability. And even though she's young right now and she's nine, it's definitely in the back of my mind, will she find a place in middle school? Sports is not her thing. And not only that, she doesn't like sports. And I love sports. (laughs) (laughs) And so that as a parent is difficult for me to navigate that she does not care. And But it is in the back of my mind you know, where, where is she going to fit? Is she going to have a place? Things aren't always easy for her. You know, sometimes she is in a wheelchair or a walker or some various things after surgeries. And so there were some notes that I just took on things to talk about as she gets older and, and ways to really just instill her who she is in Christ and not finding her worth in what she does. Yeah. Christine said that She wanted her daughter to have something that she had never had. And I think as parents, a lot of times that's what we do. We do want our kids to have whatever it is we feel or felt like was missing in our own lives. And it was significant that her daughter, that she saw her daughter finding her identity in Christ. Because a lot of times that picture that we think is going to be perfect, that we think it's supposed to work out a certain way, you know, God might have a different plan. Yes. I mean, that totally brings me to how are we pushing our kids for his will, or are we parenting kids for our will? So it's, how do we manage that? I mean, this really speaks to me because this Friday, we try out for cheerleader, my middle schooler. We, We. 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 yeah, we, that's right. Goodness. Doesn't that, doesn't that say a lot about the situation? She tries out for cheerleader, but I have to have these discussions with her. And this really helps me beforehand is what is your role as a cheerleader? If you make it, if you make it, will you be the encourager on the team? What, where do you stand besides just being a cheerleader? I love that. Um, and it, what if you don't make it? Where, what is your role there? Or how do you come alongside your friends who do make it and show the love of Christ and not be bitter or jealous? So th- this was so timely for me personally. I have such a history of God teaching me through my children <laughs> and how I parent them. You know, one thing that she said that I loved about um, when her child did not make, when Taylor did not make cheer, and then it rained, and Taylor was like, I prayed for this. And I thought, you know, how often God uses those struggles for our children to teach them lessons and to grow their faith, but to teach us lessons and to grow our faith. She kept, um, Christine kept referring back to, you know, releasing your kids, opening up your palm, unclenching your fist, releasing them, releasing them. It is a lesson that God continues to tell me. And it does come back to trust. 
trust in his plan. He is working so many different details behind the scenes that we just don't know. And really going into his word and understanding that, I mean, I believe that trust in God is mentioned over 30 times in the Bible, like that specific phrase. The word trust is mentioned over a hundred times of just that's what he's continually telling us to do, to trust that he is in the details of our lives and, and even more so in our children's lives. The other thing, you know, we have question and answer periods um, in our live group discussions. And, oh, one of the answers that Christine gave related to this idea of, you know, going to other people and asking their advice. And I really do uh, want you to hear her answer. So listen to this. Well, you know, some advice I actually got when my kids were younger was when you're praying for wisdom for your kids, like God's not giving wisdom to your neighbor for your kids. Like he's giving you the wisdom for your kids. So for you to trust what the Lord is leading in you and what he's speaking to you, because you're going to get a lot of information and a lot of voices and to trust the fact that The Lord gave you these kids specifically for a reason that you are their parents, that he's entrusted you them here that just to kind of trust what the Lord is, was telling you, because I've had a lot of doubts through this whole process of not doing enough. And would she be in a better place if I would have worked harder to get her these tutoring or what if, you know, and I just think that's just such a lie of things I can just beat myself up on and I just can't go there that I have to trust that the Lord would nudge me in those directions if that's the way I, I needed to go. And that sums it up. <laughs> that, that really sums up, you know, her view in parenting her kids and really what the Lord says is they belong to me. You know, they're, they don't belong to you. They belong to me and, and letting go and letting him, letting him take them and trusting. <laughs> And trusting him in that. It all goes back to one word, and that is trust. You know, really trusting God that he is going to give us the wisdom and the discernment to raise our children um, just really spoke into me. When she said in her story, am I enough? Am I enough? That we always second guess um, our decisions for our children, as Dawn said, whether or not we're pushing them enough, are we challenging them enough, are we loving them enough, all those things. And and just take that to the Lord, because He has given you, He has equipped you as as the parent that, that you should be when He created these children. And nobody knows your child like you know your child as well. And that goes, it speaks to me. I don't know other people's child, so I need to keep my mouth shut every now and then. Believe in him for answers for our children. Right. Exactly. We would love for you to subscribe and rate and review on Apple Podcast or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. That helps us tremendously in getting the word out about our podcast, Storytellers Life. And you can follow us on social media. We're in all the places, Instagram at Storytellers Live Podcast, and on Facebook at Storytellers Live, and basically anywhere you are online, you can find us. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.